Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block with Ed, Jody and Steve. We want to give a quick shout out to Mike who cannot be with us today because he is temporarily under the weather and we wish him well. As always, we're recording this live and we'll have it up as a podcast shortly after we conclude. And as always, please send any feedback you may have what we're doing too much, too little, wrong or right to EJS show at protonmail.com. With that, good afternoon, Ed and Jody. Hi, everybody. Hi, Jody. Hi, Steve. Hi, everybody. Oh, so as we said right before we started, there is so much going on in the world. Um, I guess because I'm in the communist state of New York and the communist city of New York City, it's worth mentioning the dictator de Blasio in his grand finale has apparently mandated vaccines for private businesses and schools, which is actually gonna hit the Jewish community kind of hard, which is kind of interesting. And kids from five years and up, if they wanna go anywhere, are also gonna to have to have vaccines. And already the incoming mayor is sort of playing it coy and saying, well, I'll deal with that when, I'll, when I get in. Um, we have several of the court cases where still judges are blocking various mandates. I know we spoke about that a little bit last week, and we'll get into that a little bit more. And uh, lots and lots of other COVID-related stories. But Ed, as we know, you've been working on a case in the legal system having to do with vaccine mandates, and we would greatly love it if you would tell us a little bit about what you're working on, what, what do you think is going to happen, where is it happening, etc. Sure. I am working on a case in the district, federal district court in South Carolina. The case is a challenge to the federal contractor mandate that Biden issued under Executive Order 14042. Um, interestingly, we chose to sue the employer rather than sue the government. There were various reasons for that. I don't really want to get into that on the air, but um, we are uh, we have a hearing on Monday for our preliminary injunction request. Um, and it's fully briefed. We are basically saying that the employer, the contractor mandate is unconstitutional. It violates religious liberty. It violates substantive due process in the sense that it violates the right to bodily integrity and the right to bodily autonomy. Uh, that cases such as Roe v. Wade uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, uh, Lawrence v. Texas, Obergefell, uh, all these cases that have been decided in the last uh, 35 years or so, or I guess Roe is about 50 years, uh, all these cases that have expanded the right of privacy uh, include the right to refuse medical treatment. There's also a case called Cruzan versus the director. It's a case that came out of Washington, went to the Supreme Court. Uh, in that case, the, the person was, uh, wanted to refuse medical treatment, even though the, the likely result was going to be death. And the Supreme Court said that person has the right to, re to refuse medical treatment. Um, and our position is that the vaccine, uh, that taking the vaccine is a personal decision. Um, and you don't, they don't have a right to force you to take it, whether it's a private business, or as we're arguing, the private business isn't really the one acting here. We're arguing that the private business 
was deputized to act by the federal government. Um, there's a Supreme Court decision from 1905, which is Jacobson versus Massachusetts. Many of the courts that have upheld the mandates thus far, um, particularly the Indiana case, Klassen, uh, have relied on the Jacobson opinion, which basically said that a state legislature could impose a vaccine mandate. That case involved smallpox in, at the turn of the century in Boston, well, actually Cambridge. Um, we've argued that that case is significantly different. Uh, for one thing, uh, as I just mentioned, the, the concept of private, the right of privacy didn't even exist back then. There's a whole bunch of new case law that has developed since Griswold and Roe v. Wade that have expanded the right of privacy. And we say that uh, those cases are, are inconsistent with uh, Jacobson still being good law. But even if it is good law, there are significant differences between the uh, present vaccine mandate and, that, and the mandate in Jacobson. Uh, I'll go through a couple of them just so you understand. Uh, number one, the, the mandate in Jacobson was passed by a legislative body. This is by executive fiat. Uh, it's a lot more, there's a more deferential standard towards legislative action than uh, executive action, executive fiat action. Uh, the mandate in Jacobson involved state level action. This is a federal mandate. Uh, there is no federal police power. Uh, the federal government has no role in uh, overseeing uh, response to uh, public health emergency. That's something that's a state level uh, and a local level police power function. Um, the smallpox vaccine at issue in, in Jacobson had been around for about a hundred years and it was well known that the side effects were well known. Uh, they were very much smaller than the ones that we're seeing on the COVID vaccines. Um, uh, we've argued also that the COVID vaccines in fact aren't vaccines, that they're gene therapy treatments. We've got expert testimony that explains why. Uh, the other side actually didn't even put in any opposing affidavits. So in theory, that's really unopposed in our case. Um, the mandate wasn't co as coercive in Jacobson because it involved a $5 fine in 1905, which translates to about $140, $145 today. Uh, today, you know, the fine today is you lose your livelihood mm -hmm. and you lose your, your, your potential to, to um, you know, to enter different, uh, you know, different business establishments. Uh, it's much more coercive what's going on today. Uh, also, we, we pointed out that the PREP Act uh, is a statute that was passed by Congress, which abrogates any liability for the manufacturers and distributors of the vaccine. That wasn't the case in the Jacobson situation. If the smallpox vaccine that people were forced to take in 1905 caused damages to someone, the person had a right to sue the manufacturer and the distributor. That's not the case today. So we've got a lot of distinctions that we've drawn. Um, and just yesterday, we had a really interesting development in the sense that the federal district court in Augusta, Georgia, very close to where we are in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, issued a decision blocking, blocking the same contractor mandate, but and issuing a nationwide injunction against its enforcement. Um, so we think that that's going to lead to us winning the case. 
um, because in our case, the employer that we sued has acknowledged that it's only acting based on having to carry out the federal mandate. Uh, we've notified the judge of that decision and that based on that admission, we think we should win the case. Um, there's a possibility that we could get a, a technical defeat and, and, uh, and uh, a technical defeat that would still be a victory in the sense that uh, the court could turn around and say, well, now that this other injunction is in place, there's no case or controversy and I can't give you any relief that you don't already have from that Georgia uh, injunction. Uh, it's not clear, you know, we're not sure how she's gonna rule. Uh, we do know it's an Obama, Obama appointee and we're not too confident that she's gonna wanna rule in our favor. So it's possible she could just dismiss the case on the grounds that there's no case or controversy and there's no way for her to redress any injury we have. Uh, but we'll see. And we, we're scheduled for hearing on Monday. So I expect that when we reconvene next Wednesday, I will have a decision because she has noted, the judge has noted that uh, if, our, if, we, if we lose, the, our plaintiffs would have to take the Pfizer vaccine's first dose by Tuesday. Wow. in order to comply with the January 4th deadline for the second dose. Uh, we've already missed the Moderna deadline, which was this past Tuesday. Um, that was just the, the way the scheduling for the oral argument came. But um, I don't know. I, that's, a, that's a long summary. I don't know if a summary is the right word. It's a, I, got a, I got a whole bunch like a of questions. I got a bunch sure. of questions. So these are all at the district court level, correct? Correct. And the judge in Georgia enjoined everybody in the country? Everybody in the, well, he enjoined the federal government everywhere in the country. He didn't enjoin everyone. I, um, I don't understand. How does he have the power to do that, though? He doesn't. <laughs> I don't believe he does. He explained in his decision that um, the reason he believed that he, that it was necessary was that uh the, the Georgia case was brought by a bunch of states, but there was an intervener, uh, which is somebody who was not originally a plaintiff or a defendant, who says, my rights are affected by this case and I want to join the case. Uh, and the intervener was a trade representative group that represented um, businesses all around the country and had that had contracts in, in all states or almost all states. And the judge said that in order to grant relief to that particular plaintiff, it was un, it, there was no way to know exactly which states and which localities right. they could limit it to. Um, he did, the, but the judge did say, you know, I could just limit it to to this, you know, the, the district in Georgia where where the case was brought. Um, you know, I'm glad that he didn't because. You know, we need a win. And, and the way the left litigates, they get these nationwide injunctions and they don't have a qualm about it. So I don't really have any qualm about it in that sense. Uh, I do, like Stephen, have a big problem with nationwide injunctions issued by a district court judge who, by nature of his office, has very limited power. Um, but that's my answer to that. Okay, I got a couple more questions. Um, Fire away. If I'm we're still on this oral argument. Um, I assume it's not a strong argument in a court to say, yes, the Georgia judge enjoined this nationally, but since that is kind of tenuous, can't you please 
enjoying it here? Um, there was, there'd be no reason to make that concession. I mean, for me, I would rather say that that decision shields me. And if she decides that she's going to dismiss on that ground, I would ask her to, I would ask her not to dismiss. I would ask her to just hold the case in abeyance. But if she chose not to do that, I would ask for what, what I would call a conditional dismissal where she if the injunction in Georgia, the Georgia injunction is reversed, we want our case to be reinstated automatically without even having to file a motion. That was my next kind of question. Is that currently already being appealed, Georgia? I am not sure. I mean, the decision just came down yesterday, so I don't know. But we can assume that somebody's going to appeal it? Um, probably, but at the same time, we now have three of the four mandates have been enjoined by multiple courts. Um, even this contractor mandate, there was a, an injunction for Kentucky, Ohio, and Tennessee last week. Um, and uh, the CMS, Medicare, you know, the healthcare workers uh, vaccine mandate was, was blocked. And the OSHA mandate has been blocked. The only one that hasn't been blocked is the federal employees mandate. I'm a little unsure, unclear why no one has challenged that. Uh, but apparently I'm not aware of any case where that where an injunction has been issued on that one. But my point is the early cases were uniformly striking, were all upholding these mandates. And all of a sudden we got a couple of cases that started to shoot down Biden's mandates and then it's the dam was broken. And it seems like every day we're getting another case that says Biden's mandates are unconstitutional. At some point, the government is probably going to capitulate. I mean, I don't think it'll be before the Supreme Court rules, but you don't know. I mean, it's, it, you know, I don't know. They're going to make a political calculation as to whether they're bleeding badly enough from all these losses to just stop the fight or if they're going to keep going all the way to the Supreme Court. Okay. And then my only other question for the moment is, the other side, I assume, has already replied in your case. Yes, all the briefing is done. Right. So anything in their replies that surprised you, caught you off guard, thought was a strong argument? I was going to ask that, too. What's their argument? Um, other than well, I mean, hysteria I, of, but you're killing everyone if you don't get a vaccine. I mean. You know, I, I don't know that they're going to listen to this podcast. I'm a little leery of giving away what I want to say in court. Yeah, no, week. right. I, I was going to ask that, too. So I, I kind of want to hold back on that. But uh, no, there was nothing that surprised me in, in a bad way. Um, there were things that I thought they might have argued that they didn't. Um, but and don't share those just in case. Right. No. Um <laughs> I'm going to throw one more question at you. Sorry, I lied. Sure. Uh, obviously, you know, you said you're basing part of this on Roe and some of the things that came before it. Well, yeah. we're kind of at the same moment hoping Roe's going to take a loss, although I personally don't think it's going to happen. So it doesn't weaken your argument more than by a few percentage points, I take it? Uh, no. And uh, honestly, that's, you know, if we go forward with an argument on on Monday, you know, one of the things I want to say to the judges, you're not, you know, you're 
the Supreme Court is right now considering a monumental case involving the right of privacy and the right of bodily integrity. And that while our judge doesn't have a vote on that case, she does have the opportunity with this case to make a strong and powerful statement in defense of the right of privacy and the right of bodily integrity. So I'm hoping to use that to, to my oh, advantage. Wow. So, whoa, whoa. If I understand you correctly, <laughs> you are rather brilliantly leveraging her into siding with you so as to side against you. That's my plan. I Don't love that. Her. Oh, my God. I, I love it. That's so, really brilliant. That's brilliant. I love that. I didn't think of that. I'm glad I asked you. That's my plan. <laughs> I have a question. She could be a hero. Okay, go ahead, Jody. So sure. my question is, and I you didn't want to get into the details of why you're suing the employer and not the government, but correct me if I'm wrong. When you when you file a suit like this, you you have to show damages caused, right? You have to show well, that injury in fact. Inju- yeah. Okay, so how do you tie that injury? to the company when the company is doing what they're told? Like, how can the company be responsible for the injury when they don't have a choice? Very simple. The simple, the the one sentence answer to your question is the company is the one that's doing the firing. Okay. But not by choice. Okay. Well, let me give you a different, let me, let me give you a legal analogy then. Suppose that there are three cars in a row and you're in the front car and there's somebody in the second car and there's somebody in the back car and the back car hits the second car and the second car hits you. You can sue the second driver and ask the second driver to pay you. Even if the second driver's defense is, Hey, I was in a complete stop. This guy hit me and pushed me into you. And your answer, your answer is, well, that's your business. That's your problem. Sue him. Wait, I just, that sounds kind of, um, crazy to me am i like really you, like, why i mean if the second car is the one that hits you why can't you sue him because the, the second car was pushed but he still is the one who hit your car so he didn't do anything wrong he's a victim too he got pushed he's got to sue the other guy well, but it seems like car number one and car number two need to sue car number three period i i i don't know I just think that's crazy. Well, I can tell you that that's one of the arguments that the defendants have raised. My response has been, if you want to bring them in, if you want to sue them, that's your business. But we don't have to sue them. I mean, we could have sued them. It's not like it would be wrong if we sued them, but we don't have to go and chase Joe Biden and we don't have to chase the Department of Energy or OMB or any of the other agencies that are involved in this case. And that was part of our, you know, I mean, I don't want to give away all of our strategy, but, right. you know, why did we have to go and, and track all those people down? We were faced with uh, a, a very shortcoming, you know, a very quickly approaching deadline. And we didn't want to have to, you know, sue everybody and let all of them file answers and fo- all of them file motions. The, the employer was the one that the employer could have said, you know what, we're just not enforcing this mandate. Or the employer could have all of our plaintiffs have applied for exemptions. They applied for religious exemptions and medical exemptions. The government issued has the government mandate only requires that they allow uh, exemptions. The government is not overseeing their sh- sitting over their shoulder saying, "Oh no, you shouldn't allow that religious exemption. You shouldn't okay, allow so- that one." The employer could have just given a broad view of of a religious exemption, and he could have said, "Okay, I want to keep a happy workforce." 
And if they want a religious exemption, fine, I'll give it to them. Okay, so it to is. me, that's the argument for the reasoning behind suing the company and not the government. So now, based on that explanation, I see car, them as car number two didn't hit you just because they got hit by, they had their foot on the gas as well or something. You right. know what I'm saying? Well, so they weren't I really at a now. stop. You're right. They right. weren't at a stop. You're just, you're on a highway and everybody's driving and, you know, the, the guy in, in the back hits the middle guy and the middle guy hits you. You know, he, you know, maybe, maybe he can blame the other guy behind him, but you know, he's not blameless. Right. No, I hear what, what you just described sounds to me like the company is, is um, part and parcel for the cause for damage. Okay. So, I hope so another question for those of us who don't live and breathe all this legal stuff, do you know of any site that is currently keeping like a running list of cases against it in every jurisdiction and where they're holding. So like when I see this story that New York judge temporarily halts vaccine mandate for NYPD employees. So obviously there's a whole bunch of these cases going on at many different levels. Is there any place to find out all these cases and where they're holding? There may be, but I'm not aware of it. I don't know. I mean, it sounds like something that somebody might be keeping. I don't know. I haven't looked at legal insurrection or um, you know, there are some legal websites, legal blogs, but I haven't looked at them for that. Because it just seems like there's so many of these cases that anybody fighting them wants to keep up with all of them, I would assume, just to see what they can pull from, you know. And again, I, you know, there's city, city level cases. I can't keep up with them. I can't. There's so many different mandates being going up and down so many different times. I'm kind of confused. Like, I couldn't tell you what the rule is today. It depends on which rule and where. I mean, even well, the de Blasio, the de Blasio uh, police NYPD mandate was was halted. Right. That's like yesterday or something, I think. Well, you know, mm -hmm. the CDC, I, I checked again today. The CDC itself, you go to their website and you try and find out what rules are in what state. And for example, if you go in and see where are the mask mandates, they still haven't updated since August 15th. Our own CDC doesn't even hold that valuable information for Americans to know, huh, if I st which states have, you know, uh, this mandate and that, they're, they're, they're that derelict on, you know, the information. I don't think it's derelict, great. Jody. I mean, I think that this is all a gigantic hoax. It's all yeah. a gigantic fraud. It's never been about public health because no. we're about public health. They wouldn't be forcing mandate vaccines on us. And they especially, if, if this were about public health, they would have backed off the vaccine mandates when they saw how many people are having adverse reactions. They might, they might not pull them from the marketplace, although I don't think there's ever been a vaccine that had this many side effects that wasn't pulled. But even if it weren't pulled, they would stop with the mandates if it was genuinely about mm -hmm. public health. You could go back further even to know it's not it wasn't about public health, because from the very beginning, Fauci basically said, what was his words? I don't remember his exact words, but basically anything, any uh, negative consequences to lockdowns was none of his business. Like that's not that's not his job, which to me is. If your job is public health, 
people's health is part of your job and people's livelihoods, people's willingness to travel to the doctor, people, all those things. And when he made that statement, that's a really big red flag that it's not about public health for you. It clearly wasn't. When you dismiss things that are extraordinarily uh, an important part of the equation for people's overall health, it's not about public health. Nope. So, you know, you may have seen this story that I had shared before the show that Whitmer and people in Arizona and politicians are starting to slightly peel off, even on the Democrat side, against some of these mandates. And I think that jives with what you said before. If the, the momentum, as it were, is moving away from them, maybe that'll keep the administration from fighting them so hard in courts. I think at some point they're going to capitulate. I don't think they're there yet, but I think at some point they will capitulate. Um, it may require the Supreme Court to intervene, but um, the thing about it is if the Supreme Court intervenes, they might get hammered with an opinion that they really don't want to live with. When you say they, do you mean the federal government? Yeah, the Biden administration. Okay, so that that sort of maybe helps keep them from going that far. You you. Like, do you think maybe they know that they, you know, they don't want to get it to the Supreme Court level because then it w- would be worse for them? Do you think they have that awareness and maybe that's why they would capitulate sooner? I'm sure they have that awareness. I think what they're calculating is whether they can cajole their buddies in big business to impose these mandates anyway. Okay, so let's flesh that out a little bit. Let's say they do that. Do okay, then people have the ability to sue those companies like you're doing? No, then us libertarians are going to say they're private companies that can do what they want. Yeah, I mean, a big part of my of our case is that this employer has been deputized by the government to act. You know, our our argument is the federal government knows that it can't impose these mandates directly. So Instead, it's requiring the, the contractors mm-hmm. to force people to take vaccines that the government can't mandate them so, itself. Mm-hmm. So if, I don't know how to ask this question, but if it's, if it's not a requirement, if, the, if it's no longer the requirement, a requirement and say the Biden administration backs off, but becomes a sort of coordinated collusion with those companies, do you understand what I'm saying? Instead of, okay, now they're right. not. I think that's what they're trying like to figure out how to do. How to do. Okay. Okay. Is that so, sort of like the powwow they're having in the White House now with the press? Yeah. So the issue there, though, uh, you couldn't bring a lawsuit in that situation unless you had a sort of smoking gun proof that there was strong arming or some sort of collusion. Well, you could bring a discrimination lawsuit again under either Title VII or, or the Americans with Disabilities Act. You know, and we have those claims in our case too. I didn't go over them earlier, but, you know, in brief, uh, you know, for instance, HIV, you know, it, having the HIV virus is considered a disability and not just having the virus, but if the employer mistakenly believes that you have the virus and takes adverse action against you, that's actionable as well. As far as I'm concerned, the COVID virus is the same thing. I don't see any difference. 
And there's no reason to mandate a healthy person take a, take a, a vaccine. The only reason to force them to take it is that you think he either has the virus or may, may get the virus. And so I would say that under, under the same logic that HIV is a disability, COVID is a disability, and they can't just treat you differently without trying to accommodate that disability. And under the, the rules, accommodation requires uh, that the employer engage in an interactive process with the employee to see you know, what kind of accommodation is, is needed, what kind of burden is placed on the employer to give particular accommodations, how high is the burden on the employer, and, and basically they have to negotiate. I mean, it's almost in its own way sort of like labor union law where the employer is required to negotiate and bargain in good faith with the collective bargaining unit. Um, in this, in, in this situation, in discrimination law, the, the employer has to negotiate with the, with the employee. And the same is true for religious exemptions. Now, the, there's a case out of Maine, uh, the Doe v. Mills case, I think, uh, where the court said that you know, Maine abolished all of his exemptions. There are no medical exemptions. There's no, um, no religious exemptions. And the court said that's okay. But what they can't do is have medical exemptions and then not allow religious exemptions because then they're not acting neutrally towards religion. And I can tell you that in our case, uh, they, they purport to have both medical exemptions and religious exemptions, but our employer admits we denied every single religious exemption that was requested, uh, and they didn't give any explanation. They didn't engage in any interactive discussion. Uh, and as far as the medical exemptions, there were 23 requested, 16 were denied, four were granted temporarily, and two were granted indefinitely. And, the, and the, the final one was a duplicate. So, and it was, it was denied as well. So they granted some medical exemptions. They didn't just blanketly deny those, but they blanketly denied all of the religious ones. Sorry. That's okay. So our, one of our arguments is that it's a sham. The religious exemption is a sham exemption and that so, they're, they're really only doing medical exemptions. You know, without going too thick in the woods, which I definitely could on this issue. I don't know if you saw the forms that were given to our fearless leader, Elliot, by his company, um, asking all the questions when you apply for an exemption. And there were several pages on the religious exemption and basically asking in great detail, you know, when's the last time you were inside a church and did you pray inside the church and did you not pay attention during the prayers inside the church? And um, have you ever done anything against your religion? And is your, I mean, the, the detail- that goes to whether the, they only have to give exemptions to sincerely held religious beliefs. Right, and how in the world does a court get to decide that? And my understanding of the First Amendment from just dabbling in, in the divorce world is First Amendment says that I wasn't religious yesterday, but I have every right to say I'm religious today. Wait, and, and, and can I just say for people who, who don't exercise their religious beliefs outside their own mind and their own home, meaning I would be a good example. I consider myself an extremely religious person. I have a huge faith in God, but I don't need to go to church and express it. I meditate. I do my other thing. I do my things. Like, so well, I feel discriminated against. If, you, if, I, if that's 
If your definition of religion is, did I go to church and sit there and do this? And no, but I'm saying they want to know, is it sincerely held? You know, did you ever cheat? So I'll tell you mine is, and that's all you need to know. Well, but then I'll answer both of you. Uh, Stephen, for, for, for one, if you, if you can explain that you've had this conversion or, you know, you're born again as of last Thursday, as long as you can explain it and you and you show that there's a sincere change and a sincere belief, that's fine. Um, but what's going to happen is with, you know, with the vaccines, almost everybody in America went through vaccines as a child and has taken many vaccines as an adult and has even taken not many vaccines as an adult, but have taken vaccines even as an adult. And you're going to be asked, have you ever taken vaccines? Do you know, did you take them as a child? Did your parents uh, you know, did your parents have uh, have an objection to it? If they didn't, when did you be? When did you start to object to it? You know, what was the? You know, when did it happen? Well, obvious difference between child and adult, and I know a lot of people are going with the aborted fetus lines, etc. But I'm just saying, whenever a court or a government has to start evaluating, is it a commonly accepted religion? Or did you just make it up yesterday? You know, when we were kids, right. we decided we we're going to make our own religion, and I still joke about it, but once the government gets into sincerely held and a real religion, well, there no, are all kinds of the places. The government is just going through, that goes into the interactive process, right? I mean, the government isn't really looking at whether your belief is sincerely held. The government is looking at, you know, what did the, you know, what, what kind of negotiation went on between the employer and the employee? I mean, if, if the employee makes this, makes this case to the employer, I think the, the court is going to be sympathetic to that. I don't think the court, the court's determination is not, did you, do you have a sincerely held belief? The court's, the court's function is, uh, did the employer make a good faith effort to determine that? And I think there's a little bit of a difference there. So again, I don't want to get into the thick of that. I just want to mention three other quick COVID stories and we're getting out of COVID hopefully. Um, there was a story out from Los Angeles that they vaccinated a student without permission from parents in exchange for a pizza. That's very concerning for those who have children in school, I believe. The story out of Oregon that they're, quote, beginning a process to make indoor mask mandates permanent. That's a little scary. And the FDA just upped its uh, ante. Until now, I think they only wanted 55 years to release all the vaccine data. They've now asked for 75. Now, I'm hoping we'll all be around in 75 years, but I'm not counting on it. <laughs> like what you said about it before, if this were about health, I mean, how in the world can you hold back on data for 75 years and claim you have nothing to hide? I think it was Obama who said, <laughs> if you have nothing to hide. Yeah. Well, we know it's not about science or not about uh, public health, but I you know, where so. are right. And I mean, the FDA had to give approval. Right. I mean, they had to review all these documents that they think that they need 75 years to release. Well, how did they review them in, in 12 weeks or however long it took them to review? Very quickly. <laughs> I mean, if they could review them that fast, they could release them that fast, period. It, it, it just makes you wonder if is not something weird. Um, I want to ask you a question about an unbelievably unrelated story, which may or may not be absolutely nothing. There's this rumor out there about the horrors of Tucker being friends with Hunter. 
is there any truth to it and does it matter? And is somebody going to make a lot of hay out of it? And who cares? So I was kind of reading a little bit. I, I, I wish I could remember the source, but it was bait and maybe it was, I can't remember, but uh, shared some of the quotes from the email between them. I don't know if you guys read any of that, but mm -hmm. I mean, it was pretty cozy. They were saying, you know, love you kind of thing, miss you kind of thing, which I mean, I don't have any problem with that in general, like, but it does seem a little bit weird. Is it? I, I don't I, know. Is it disingenuous? I, I don't know what it is. Well, Tucker, I mean, he, he said, Tucker's, you know, we miss, tell Susie, we miss her, you know, Tucker's wife. Uh, it was just, there was, I thought it was a very, like the wording that they were using, the things they were saying were a sign of true loving friendship. Again, which I think is great, except it's odd because what Tucker would be saying and doing about him and his father. Well, I just look at the interview that Tucker, Tucker did with Tony Bobolino. Right. And he didn't hold, Tucker didn't hold back. No. Tucker, it, to the extent that there was any personal relationship, Tucker put his professional credentials first. He put his personal relationship in the back seat. I mean, I, I don't even, you know, I don't even think he, you could, you would know from that interview that there was a personal relationship. So I guess so, should that have been? That's why I find it shocking. Or is it just a nothing burger? What was the first choice? Should it have been revealed? I mean, it just seems weird. I think it's. How would he weird, reveal it? I mean, but... what was he supposed to do? Say. I'm going to interview Tony Bobolino and he's going to answer questions about my good friend, Hunter Biden. About somebody I used to have a good relationship with, but. What if he still has a good relationship with him? I don't know. I think it makes clouds on it. I think, it, listen, it's not exactly a Cuomo brothers story, but I think it gets into a little bit of the weeds. I kind of think of it the opposite. I mean, isn't that what we want from our, our media people to be able to set aside their personal prejudices and be able to do a news story, regardless of whether it implicates your friends, whether, regardless of whether, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, he didn't hold back. I mean, I, I if it's to the extent that there was a, a, a personal relationship there, I, I, if anything, it makes me respect Tucker more, not less. Yeah, 100% really if, if he would have said it, because since it's coming out, does it hurt his credibility? I mean, it sounds like it's hurting him a little bit with you, but it doesn't hurt it hurt his credibility with me one iota. Okay. No, I think you make a good argument, Ed, that it actually improves your credibility. He was able to separate the two. How many of these media people are able to do that? None of them. Right, do. They, none. You're right. I mean, they all they invite these people on. I mean, look at the Robin Roberts interview with Jesse Smollett that they keeps running around that they keep showing on TV. I mean, she kissed his ass. You know, there were no Wait, tough so questions. Maybe one of the weird things is, I don't, I, I and I don't know, uh, but I don't find that maybe Hunter Biden is, dare I say, a truly good person. So what's he doing hanging out so closely? And that's maybe one of the parts that makes me go, well, that's weird. Like the man's a druggie. He, he's got a lot of, really questionable behaviors that we know of like why are you so close to him that does kind of like i don't get it well, i'm not saying I, I'm not how they met or what their relationship was 
Did they met? Did they meet in college or something? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know about it. That's why I say I'm not closed to listening and understanding. But that's one of the things I find odd is the guy seems the guy seems not to be all on the up and up good person to begin. I think with. Uh, his father said he's the brightest person he's ever met. So. Oh right, I'm sorry. Besides that, yeah, I just thought I'd mention it. I don't care that much about the story. It just it just seemed a little bit weird. So I wanted to bring it up just for the moment. Um, there's a whole bunch of these cultural stories. And again, I don't know how much we want to get into the thick of them, but the transgender swimmer story, um, the guy at UPenn who's destroying all the records and is this or is this not the end of all of women's sports, which some people are saying, how bad a thing is this for the culture? If it is, you know, where, where are the feminists? The feminists are getting crushed. There are I feminists. Mean- I saw it's one of them interviewed. Talk about anti women. Talk about anti women. I saw somebody interviewed about this. I forget on which show. It might have been on Gutfeld, I think. And she wrote a book about this, apparently. And she's uh, leaving the Democrat reservation in this issue because she's insisting that there are only two genders and you're insane if you say they're not. And she's one of the ones I think saying this is destroying women's sports. Yes. Hello. Is, is there I any, sir. My take is sort of the opposite. I I don't think this is the end of women's sports. I think this is part of the beginning of the end of the transgender movement. I think, you know, we're, we're on a cultural level. We have one story after another, including and especially COVID, where we are being fed obvious lies, not small white lies, obvious lies. And we're being told we have to believe them. And, and it's, it's sort of like what the communist propaganda used to be. You know, everybody knew that Pravda was lying and, you know, and we knew they knew we were lying and they knew we knew we were lying. That's how it went. That, that's how it is today. I mean, you know, everybody knows that this transgender woman swimmer is not a woman and winning races by 30 something seconds when every other race is won by fractions of a sec of one second it's obvious that this is not a woman. It's obvious that transgenderism is a hoax in the same way that, you know, as I've said to you guys privately, you know, the Jesse Smollett story, same thing. He obviously lied. The police charged him. There's proof that he lied. There's, he has, you know, an interview with Robin Roberts where he wasn't bruised at all. And his only explanation is, well, he had Hollywood makeup put on him. I mean, it's an obvious lie. Alec Baldwin, same thing. He pointed, he's saying that he didn't pull the trigger. Well, well, who did? Was, was he like a ventriloquist dummy and somebody pulled somebody pulled a string and, and that's how his finger pulled the trigger? I mean, these are obvious lies. We all know they're lies. You know, masks work. Vaccines work. I mean, all these things that you just have to look out there and see people are getting COVID even when they take the vaccine, even when they have a mask. It's an obvious lie. And they're trying to force us to believe obvious lies. And I think that this women, this transgender swimmer, the watershed to me is it's such an obvious lie. I mean, not that these others aren't obvious, but it's it's so in your face. There's no way. I don't think any any sane person can believe it. I mean, I, you know, I, I I haven't believed it from day one, but I just think it's it, it's a it's a watershed moment because I I just don't think that people are going to continue to buy all the lies that are being fed to us. I mean. You know, you said, you know, a while back, you know, when we were talking privately that this is just gaslighting on a cultural level. And that's exactly what it is. And 
at some point the person gaslit either just becomes permanently a victim of Stockholm syndrome or, or they, res they resist and they revolt and they just don't believe any of the lies anymore. And I think that's where we're getting close to. Yeah, I, I, I like your take. I don't know if you saw the other day, was it recently Rand Paul going up against Levin about gender, uh, um, gender mutilation? I don't remember if it was recent or I just saw it recently. Is there enough of a backlash or are we so afraid of it and the politically correct are so strong and intimidating that it's going to bury us further? So I like your optimism, but is it true? I don't know. I feel like there's, you know, I go, I like to listen to podcasts and I feel like of late there are more people uh, and maybe it's mostly revolving around the vaccine mandate issue. Uh, there's a little bit red pilling happening more than I've seen before. So, you know, maybe people are a little bit starting to wake up and maybe that's the transgender issue is going to be yet another um, notch on that bedpost, so to speak. So I know that I've been listening to a podcast. It's one of the best in the country, actually, called EJS on the Liberty Block. <laughs> and I think one of the smarter uh, participants, hosts, Ed, has said for a long time something cultural may happen to kind of turn the tide. And I don't know, is that what you're kind of parroting, Ed? You should listen to that podcast, by the way. It's really good. Yes. <laughs> listen that to guy the guy, has, Ed, in particular. That guy has some interesting things to say. Um, I don't know that this is the particular moment, but I, I, I think it, there's either going to be one moment or a series of moments. And if it's a series of moments, this, I think, is going to be one of them. It, it's not possible to look at what that, what that situation is and, and continue to believe the lie. It's just not possible. I mean, Jody, you're the only one of us who has a uh, girl in school, I believe, right? You know, the girl in school. If you were raising her from five years old to get into athletics, would this infuriate you? And or do you talk to other mothers who are affected by this? Um, I, of course it would infuriate me. Um, I don't know anybody who's dealing with that. And, uh, but I also live in Illinois. I'm sure it's happening. Um, you know, in Illinois, we have now a new state mandate rule whatever that and I, it's i don't think it applies it doesn't apply to private schools but public schools have to have genderless bathrooms here now right, so, right. i was going to bring that up you know, there you illinois. go it's illinois so ah. i'm sure that that whole sports thing is going to start becoming an issue and issue here but my kids are in private school and you know so we have our shield that way so my understanding is this just Chicago, isn't it? Or is it all of Illinois with the same sex bathrooms and stuff? No, I think it's all of Illinois. I'm pretty sure it's all of oh. Illinois. I should double check things, that. So it doesn't affect my kids. So one of the things that's led to the parent revolt in, in Loudoun County, Virginia, is the sexual assault by the by the kid by the boy that mm -hmm. dressed as a girl to get yeah. into the girls' bathroom. Shocking. And I think that. That's just going to be a harbinger of other incidents Absolutely. In, in Illinois, if that's what they're doing in Illinois. And I, I just don't think people are going to let their little girls be raped and, and assaulted. No. 
No. Um, maybe I'm more optimistic than, uh, you know, than the owners of this show otherwise uh, allow or, or have or are, but uh, I just don't think that parents in Illinois are going to put up with that one, one second. Mm-mm. I mean, I guess the good news is, you know, how many school boards have broken off the National School Boards Association? How many school boards? I just heard this morning something like 11 school boards in Colorado have been taken over by the right right now. But on the other hand, you have FBI raids seemingly on some of these moms on school boards. So not sure where it's going to end. Well, where is the FBI, by the way, investigating what's going on in, in your neck of the woods, Stephen? Which part? Where is Merrick Garland on the on the hate crime of the Christmas trees in that are being set so on fire? Did in anybody know what happened? The New York Times reported that it caught fire. It caught fire, huh? That's the New York Times story. It it caught fire. <laughs> Just like uh, the red SUV drove it. Exactly. Yeah, right. That's crashed. what you're saying. The red SUV exactly crashed. In line with them, it, the SUV did it. So it right. caught fire. But does anybody... I didn't fail my math test. The pencil failed the math test. Right. Well, <laughs> the gunshot killed so, someone, not... Does anybody believe that it is more than just a hooligan? Does anybody know anything? I thought it was, I thought that Antifa and BLM took credit for it. Did they? I don't know. I, I, it's hard to stay that's on top of that. I mean, if they did, that's pretty horrible. And I assume the FBI will go after them just like they did for burning down cities. I think they'll go after them just as hard as they went after them when they burned down cities. It's, uh, it really is unbelievable. Yeah, I have to follow that story a little bit more. I so live wait, in the more civilized part of New York City. So what, Jody? Okay, I want to, I just saw this. <laughs> I just wanted to read this real quick. I, this is just, this is how Chicago works, but you know, Lori Lightfoot, she's the mayor there. I just got this thing saying, Mary, Mayor Lori Lightfoot is calling out retailers for their disappointing response to Chicago crime. Lightfoot said retailers need to do a better job taking care of themselves. Quote, I'm disappointed that they're not doing more to take safety and make it a priority. We still have retailers that won't institute plans like having security officers in the store, making sure cameras are actually operational. Jody, excuse me, Jody. From now on, I'm (laughs) going to insist, if you're going to quote Babylon V on this show, you need to say so. It's crazy. That cannot be real. That cannot be. It was okay. I ho- I just received it. I haven't fact checked it myself. It's from Chicago City Wire. We'll have to see. But well, I'm going to pronounce this correctly. That is chutzpah. Well, there was another thing uh, from her recently about she was saying that other than murders, I believe she's saying Chicago crime is at historical lows. Of course, she was lying about all of it. None of it's true, but. Maybe it's based on the number of arrests, Jody. What's that? Maybe it's based on the number of arrests. Oh, right. She can say yes, based on that. You're yeah, but actual but crime. It's the, is- re- it's the retailer's fault. Well, AOC said there aren't any of these, uh, what do they call snatch and grabs or whatever they call them, that that's not really happening. And I guess if these same retailers said, well, we're going to close because we can't survive like this, then they'll sue them for some kind of discrimination. Right. You got to give Lightfoot credit. I don't know who's better, her or de Blasio, but she she's a winner. I, I don't I think I've said this on this show before, but 
I am not exaggerating. When she won, I was relieved because she was the best of those running by kind of a long shot. <laughs> Just do with that what you will. Well, I'm not going to do Harry Carey on live podcast, but that's what I want to do. You know, it's really sad because it's really, I mean, we're really watching utter destruction of what was a great city. A great city. You know, you know once upon on. a time when it was liberal as in, you know, classical liberal, I don't know how long ago that might have been, but it's so illiberal and it's just so tragic to watch its utter demise. Well, when you look at what's going on in Chicago, when you look at what's going on in Los Angeles, when you look at what's going on in San Francisco and Portland, yeah. I don't know why these businesses don't just shut down in in, yeah. in Moss yeah. and they should just leave. Yeah. But I mean, as long as they're gluttons for punishment, I don't feel bad for them. No, I agree. I, in fact, I when I see it, I say, well, that's what you voted for. I mean, people try to tell you, don't well, vote for that's what them, we say in New the people complaining about it, like a whopping percentage of them voted for it. No yeah, so it. I don't feel sorry for you. You voted for it, so. Okay, I have two more stories I want to talk about. One is, is there any sentient human being who doesn't think the Republicans are going to find a way to raise the debt limit and get out of the blame? That was a complicated question. Don't we believe McConnell's going to sell out? Why shouldn't he? I mean, at this point, I don't understand. I mean, I might make a stand to, to oppose, you know, funding the vaccine registry. Uh, I was pissed off when 22 Republican senators voted for it. Um, you know, if you want to take a stand on some particular issue, fine, and, and make that part of your 2022 campaign platform. But just the debt ceiling at this point. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I would just, I think I might just have them, you know, vote present. I don't, I don't think it's, I mean, I'm opposed to raising the debt ceiling, but I'm just opposed to the spending. And if they're not going to vote against the spending, why shouldn't they vote against the debt ceiling limit? I mean, what else do they, you know, how can you vote for all the spending and then not vote to fund it? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's never going to be a time that willingly anybody's going to stop the debt, right? Well, um, at some there, point, they'll have no choice. Are there any true conservative Republicans, really? Well, there I mean, may be two or three, but not enough to make any difference. Yeah. There's always 20 renegades or more. You know, there's like 80 in the House and 10, 20 in the Senate. And it's, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you caught that 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 news conference i think yesterday with gates and green and i think gosar and he goes oh when we win in 23 it's going to be a new party it's not going to be you know ryan and gowdy it's going to be gates and gosar yeah you and what army so there'll be 50 of you or 100 of you you're still not gonna run the place and it's still going to be run by rhinos so who are we kidding even assume that gates is okay And did Bobert overplay her hand and mess herself up with her last thing, or is it just another tempest in a teacup? You mean with her what apology? Are you talking about? Well, with what she said and then her apology. Is she going ever, to- ever, 
ever apologize. apologize to the left ever. Well, you know, when they follow up with calling Republicans KKK, KKK I mean, really, this is where. Wait, this is the woman talking with a bunch of K's behind her. Jody. So it's, it's ridiculous. That's Just why you don't apologize. The K off the uh, mantle there, and it's a J. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, but Even I mean that's why K. you don't apologize is because what good did the apology do when no, they're using either. horrifying rhetoric themselves? So I would say, look, when when you're saying this, 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 and this, don't ask me to apologize. Now, I personally wish she hadn't said it. I, I. I, I personally wish, because it's, it's, it's always how it plays out in the media. Why it, should we care that she said it? Why can't we, why can't I, we I, honestly say- I want us to behave more intellectual. I want us to, name calling, I swear, not, name calling no. isn't going to be the winning strategy. She got called out for implying that Muslims are committing atrocities and terrorism around the world. No, she Why got called she out that? for saying those people are part of that Muslim terrorist group. Which people? Ilan Omar? Squad. The squad. Okay, and all, all those squad members are sympathetic to them. Why can't well, she say that? Why are we afraid to say that? Are they? They can I call mean, us KKK they, members they, they and kind racists. Of are. Yeah, they kind of are. Yeah. Well, then say it that way instead of I don't know, then make that argument, make that case, draw those parallels. I think but what's sad why is- she have to make an argument? Why can't she just call them names? Because they call I don't us names all the damn time. I know, and I, I think it's wrong and I hate it. And I, I, I want us to win the argument in a better way. Well, you know what happens- the, What's here's, the argument, here's the that thing. we're not racist? No, here's the thing. The reason it hurts us, I think, and helps them is because, and again, they hold the microphone. They have the ability. We we have to mess up this much and they make it giant news. They literally get away with killing people and the media sounding board makes it sound like they're the saviors. So we're playing by different rules. And that's why I wish- but Why appease them then? I mean, that's the whole reason why I- no, We have to we win on it. It's not, it's not working. What happened? What happened from what happened with that? What happened with her saying that it it didn't win any battle in any way? It what did actually, her apology win? Nothing but putting herself into that position. Both of it's terrible because well, first uh, of all, there's, it's there's a, a media. It's it's a the left uses it as a a total. See, we told you they're terrible people. They use it in a nefarious way. And it's it's a no win. It's, it's not a way to win. It's if a the way. Republic, to, you want to talk about winning? If the Republicans wanted to win, they would dare Nancy Pelosi to strip Bopart of her committee assignments, and then as soon as the Republicans are in charge again, start stripping Democrats of committee assignments. Anytime one of them says a Republican's a racist, a Republican hates Granny, any of the things that they, any of the name calling they get into, just strip them. Boom. And if they started playing Listen. tit for tat. That would end this right away. The reason the Democrats okay, that, do this, the reason they get away with it, is because they pay no price for doing it. Yeah, no. See, I, I, I'm on board with that part. If you, if, if Bobert or anybody else on the Republicans had wanted to stand up and say, 
whoa, 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 wait a minute. If name calling is not allowed, you guys are doing it over and over and over. So every name calling that we're going to pull out now, but they didn't do that. So what I'm saying is we're clearly not playing by the same game. So don't do it. Don't do it if that's how it's going to be, because what's going to happen is always the Republicans are going to look bad in the eyes of that's what the media is going to do. And the left is always going to look good. If you're not going to stand up and say, whoa, wait a minute, name calling is bad, but let's look at all of the name calling you guys do. That's not how it plays out. So we always lose and we always, I think it sets us back more. Yes, the only positive, even though I'm the one who brought it up, is I think it potentially, for at least some of us, energizes the base that she is a hero in the sense that she's not afraid to say those things. Until she apologized. You know what? Obviously, until she apologized. And again, she was browbeaten into that by God knows how much pressure. And once you give into any of that pressure, you're finished, right? I think the response should have been, wait a minute, name calling. Let, let me just give you this long list of name calling from Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and, you know, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. You know, if name calling, let's get to that. But that's not how it played out. And it was a bigger slide backward from a perception of national perception i think we lost ground not gained it yeah I, I disagree i mean you know kyle rittenhouse didn't have an obligation to try and persuade those guys not to kill him and i don't think that we have an obligation to explain to the democrats what hypocrites they are and get them to admit that they're hypocrites look it's That's a political game are. though it's a political game it's still the game is not about really democrats or republicans it's about the minds of the American people still. And we have the very big task of um, not being the ones in control of that avenue to the minds of the American people, meaning media, entertainment, education. We don't control those avenues. So we have a much harder job of getting to the minds of the American people and making our case and winning the arguments, winning the cultural uh, battle, we our, our ability to win, to even engage in the cultural battle is hindered. So every time we screw up, it, I think it one way, us I think one way to win that battle, I mean, one of many things we need to do is tell the truth. And the truth is the squad is all in with Muslim terrorism and with Islamic. Okay, but you can make terrorism. that case without having that little snippet that's played over and over where it really just looks like name calling. And that's all people are gonna, you don't win that argument of making that case of connecting them to terrorists. Democrats win that argument all the time. Again, they're playing by different rules. It's a totally different game. I think that you're you're saying we should continue playing the different game, that we have to play nice. No. They can be as nasty as they want. No, I'm saying we are, our goal has to be getting to the minds of the American people. And if you don't understand that that little snippet of name calling doesn't win that, that job, it doesn't connect the, look, they literally are connected to terrorists. That's the argument that needs to be made, not that little snippet of name calling where 
all the, you know, so many people, that's exactly what they're going to see. That's what they're going to walk away with. And we lost in that potential of winning that cultural battle of making that case, winning that argument. Let me show you how these people support terrorists. Let me show you. I think Lori Bopert was winning until she apologized. Go ahead, Stephen. I think to an extent you're talking about two different um, arenas almost. I think, Jody, you're kind of talking about, are we going to convince the other side and this just pushes them off? And no, I'm not talking about saying, the other side. I'm talking about the center the and soft left. Even maybe even the soft right might have been turned off by that. You know, I'm talking about if 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 in that if in that case, the argument to be made and won was that those people are sympathizers to terrorists. You needed to make that case, not just name call. Okay, so but we all agree, should be to make that case. Okay, we all agree that once not you name speak, call. You shouldn't have apologized, right? Or do we? I will agree with that. Okay, which at least is something. The only last issue I'd like to discuss, unless somebody else wants to discuss something else, and we've touched on this way before, the Ukraine thing is just more and more and more in the news. You got, I mean, Tucker stays strict isolationist. I see Ted Cruz is slightly less isolationist on this issue. Ed, what are your thoughts? I am strict isolationist on it. I don't understand why we why we have any interest in creating a war with Russia. Um, I understand trying to, to trying to offer support to Ukraine. I understand that we made promises to them in 1994 when they gave up their nuclear weapons. Um, but I, I don't see the purpose in sending a single American soldier there. Um, I don't think it makes any sense to, to cut off Russian supplies of, of natural gas and oil to Western Europe if they go and invade Ukraine. Um, I don't see, I don't see any good that can come from us intervening in that conflict. Would you agree that um, I know somebody was arguing by not stopping or by helping exactly whatever the case was, Putin to make the pipeline that bypasses Ukraine, did we shoot ourselves in the foot? How so? They're saying that had he not been able to bypass Ukraine in supplying oil or gas to the West, he would never have gone this far to the brink. Well, I think that he's going to go to the brink because they want they need to they need their uh, Black Sea ports for their uh, for their navy. So they 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 have a big interest in having those Black Sea ports on Sevastopol uh, and um, I forget the other city there, but um, I just I don't you know. Do I think that Putin is doing a good thing? No. Do I think invading another country is a good thing? No. But why is the territorial integrity of Ukraine more important than the territorial integrity of the United States? Well, obviously, why not send a really hard one to answer? Um, Why not send troops to the U.S.-Mexican border and protect our border? Okay, that's just racist. Ukrainians are Caucasians like us. And that border is not our race, so that's just racist. Um, if you had to make your best guess, um, do you think Russia's really going to make a move or is all this sort of a, just a chess game? 
I mean, I don't, I'm not in a position to make a big, to, to really guess. I mean, the news reports are that there are 100,000 Russian troops and tanks massed at the border. If that's true, I don't think that's just a show. Uh, that's, if that's true, it suggests to me that an invasion is imminent. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't like it, but I, you know, I just don't think that's something that we should be shedding American blood and treasure for, or, or you know, and it's certainly not American lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, I do have skin in this game. Um, I'm not convinced that Russia's actually going to do anything. And, you know, some people are talking about they're going to march into Kiev. And to me, it seems like the worst thing they would do is annex that part of eastern Ukraine that, that's more Russian than Ukrainian anyway. And I, I don't know where people are getting the idea that they want all of Ukraine. Well, I mean, I said last on last week's show that it looks like the Biden administration and the Chinese Communist Party look like they they view war as their way of getting out of domestic troubles. Um, and I also mentioned the Russian situation and that Biden might go to war with China. He might go to war with Russia. He might go to war with both. Um, I, I didn't think that I didn't think that 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 prophecy would come so close to being, I don't know, not realized, but become so much so prophetic in such a short time, um, you know, between what's going on in Russia and the saber rattling that the Biden team is, is making towards, towards Putin. Um, I mean, I kind of believe that they do want a war with him. I mean, they're, they're still, they're still, this is all part of the Russia collusion hoax, right? Putin is this, evil demonic guy who became evil and demonic because he was tied to Trump. And this is about furthering that narrative and, uh, you know, keeping that narrative alive is in any way that they can. Um, Wait, and I think are you saying that they want to send the FBI to knock down his door and put him in jail with the J6 people? Who, Putin? Yeah. Because he's a pro-Trumpist? I don't know that they've got a plan like that. I just think that they're all, they're, they're sort of uh, riled up into a fury, you know, in a, in a like way that we're riled into a fury about what they're doing to the J6, the January 6 people. So if they use the same amount of force against Putin that they used against some of these poor people all over the country that they raided, maybe Putin would back down. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure he would. Armored personnel on his front lawn and breaking down his door. I don't know. <laughs> Shock and awe. I just, you know, the China story is one that, that we didn't get to today. And, and, you know, I mentioned it last week. Uh, Biden did announce a diplomatic boycott. Last week he was just contemplating it. But he announced a diplomatic boycott of the Olympic Games. Right, now, supposedly that that's you? meaningless, isn't it? Well, it's not meaningless when the Chinese have already angrily said that it's ridiculous and that they're offended by it. I mean, I to thought me, they were just the, batting it away, saying they don't care. That's what I had thought they said. I, I took it differently. I okay. took it as them being pissed off about it. And I, I take it as both sides are setting themselves up to be angry at each other and moving towards a, a war situation, especially if, if and when China invades Taiwan, which I have been saying 
for a year now is going to happen as soon as the Olympics are done. Yeah, I think that's, to me, that's more of an immediate danger than Ukraine, but I'm not putting a lot of money on, on the Ukraine thing either. So, all right, Ed, besides China, or you can talk about China, what else did we not get to talk about today? Hmm. Uh, well, I guess that was kind of the big one that I was waiting for us to get to. Um, you know, and then all, like I you know, I, I alluded to it earlier, you know, all the hoaxes that are going on, all the, the, the big lies and gaslighting that that's going through our culture and, um, you know, whether, you know, whether people are going to continue to believe them or not, I, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that the tide is beginning to turn. I am a little bit too. I love that. I guess it's kind of hard to gauge though, isn't it? Like, how would we know if the tide turned? Because the press would keep it quiet anyway. Yeah. We also didn't mention the uh, the Chris Cuomo story again. <laughs> okay, I want to hear what you have to say about it. Uh, I just, I, I, I think it's funny. I mean, you know, we talked about, you know, Tucker earlier in the show, you know, not showing any favoritism towards Hunter Biden. I think that Chris Cuomo as a professional should separate himself from his brother. But if that's his crime that he helped his brother, it just, it doesn't strike me as, as a fireable offense. I mean, if they want to suspend him, okay. I mean, I can see suspending him, but it just all seems pretextual. It seems to me like, like the Cuomo's together pissed off the, the head Don of the Democrat party, whether that's Obama or Clinton. Well, I think they, they're going after Chris because they don't need him anymore because they got Andrew and now they can take him down. But I think the reason they fired Chris Cuomo isn't because of what he did with his brother. It's because they caught him using news sources to attack people who were against his brother, which I think is kind of heinous. I mean, assuming there are such things called journalist ethics, whatever that means, and there's probably even more stuff there. But yeah, they got Andrew down and now they can take Chris Cuomo out and Brian Stelter can take his job, supposedly. Oh my Lord. Yeah, I think it's, I'm, this is just, you know, suspicion, but, you know, early on in the pandemic, the left was sort of holding up Andrew Cuomo as this, you know, brilliant God. God. savior and order of, of all that is good, you know, to address COVID. And then obviously we saw what ended up happening with that. I, I kind of, I think, you know, I've said that before, the left can literally get away with murder, right? They, it doesn't really matter how badly they behave. Um, but once you are no longer one of their useful idiots, then everything that they've suppressed bad about you all of a sudden becomes news. It's just, when I don't know that we'll ever always know why uh, the useful idiots no longer become useful, but for whatever reason, the minute you're no longer useful, the things that you know they pretended were not bad or hid, you know, shoved under the rug, all of a sudden sees the light of day, and it suddenly matters. Or maybe even it's contrived. Maybe sometimes it's even contrived because that's you know how they work. Although I don't think with either of the Cuomo's anything was contrived, but. Oh, 
I'll just tell you, I have no love lost for either of them. Now the question is, are they going to take his father's name off the bridge? So. Maybe. I just think, you know, look, however powerful Cuomo's were, there are many people who think they're going to take his place, whether it's Letitia James or the other 10,000 people running for governor. So there's always other people who are jealous of their status. And now that they can take them out, there's people who want to be there. So. I'm well, curious. I think that taking the big names out opens opens the door for a Republican like Lee Zeldin to maybe be able to win. That would be a miracle, I think, in New York. But who knows? That New York is not New York City, though, right? I mean, there's a big part of New York that's conservative. Yeah, and I don't know if they can still turn a governorship. That would be really interesting. Let's see what Hotchell does in the next, you know, six. six is that eight, the correct know. pronunciation? Do you know that for a fact? Uh, I don't know for a fact, and I don't like her enough to care. Because people ask me how to pronounce it, and I say I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, so I just say whatever her name is, and yeah, that's a toughie. It's not like Kamala, 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 whatever, but it's a toughie. <laughs> all right, with with all that, I guess we can wrap up for today. I greatly enjoyed the show. I hope everyone else did as well. And we will be back next week, same time, four o'clock. And thank you very much. Just want to tell everybody, you know, wish all of our Jewish viewer listeners a happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah is now over. And, you know, it's Christmas season. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Let's have some joy and merriment. Amen. Amen. And I'm sure my presents got lost in the mail. So. Have a wonderful week, folks. Take care. Bye, everybody. Have a good week, everybody.